0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Langstaff Online. My name is Yanili Joyce, and I'm your host for episode 75. In this episode, we are going to be listening to Sam Moore, who grew up at Langstaff and now serves the Lord here with his family. His message is entitled, Press On and Look Up, and is based on teaching from Philippians 3 and 4. So Philippians chapter 2 And if I were to put a title over these thoughts this morning and I kind of you try and make it sound nice and so I bounced between a couple different ideas but the title of this morning is Press On and Look Up. So press on and look up. Motivated to, to continue on into the future falling more in love with the Lord Jesus determines discipline, but not forgetting to look up, to be content where we are. Um, He is with us in the moment, in every moment. And so that that paradox of Christian living, where you are pressing forward, and Paul is very aggressive in the language he uses. And I'm going to refer to a a few times where he says, press on, which is not a a passive term, but yet an active thing. Press on with force, with urgency. Uh, But at the same time, He says a lot of times rejoice, rejoice always, rejoice in the Lord, which is a present action to be presently enjoying the Lord and presently appreciating what he has given you. So there's that paradox where we're pressing on, but at the same time, we are rejoicing. So I just like to go through those. Um, Philippians, as we know, is is one of the most personal letters of Paul. We see a lot of his emotion. We see a, a lot of his personal relationships. And as I was reading through the book uh, a number of months ago, and now just in the past uh, week, few days, I noticed how many times he says, press on. And I noticed how many times he says, rejoice. And we know um, 2020 was a tough year, harder for some than others. I've been challenged by Paul's general attitude, as I said in the beginning, towards discipline, motivation, and resolve in the Christian life. And so I'd just like to read with you, first of all, uh, I said Philippians chapter two, I'm sorry, I'm in number three, Philippians three, most of, if not all of what we talk about this morning will be Philippians chapter three and chapter four, but let's start in chapter three. And we will start, um, we could read the whole thing, uh, but we will start at number, verse number seven. Philippians chapter three. In verse number seven. So let's read that together. Well, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ, be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead not that I have obtained this or am already perfect this is the first one here it says but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do: <clears throat> forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Verse fourteen. Again, we read: I press on toward the goal for the prize for the, sorry the toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and we'll skip ahead just a little bit. Chapter four, Philippians chapter four, verse four. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, We'll skip down to verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. So we'll refer to other verses, but those are the the main passages that I'd like to speak on this morning. And just two things, press on and rejoice. I said the title of the message was press on and look up. And in my own mind, that just sounded nicer than press on and rejoice. But it's the same idea. Rejoicing causes you to think in the present moment of what we have been given. And in that, rejoice. Um, And that always means looking up because we've been given everything by him. And so before I'm looking at two press ons. The first one here is in verse number 12, but I press on to make it my own. Now, before this, so obviously he's referring to what he has talked about prior to that. He says, not that I've already obtained this. So he's speaking of what he just said, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. So before, he has just listed this, and this is all in verse 10. Number one, that I may know him, speaking of the Lord Jesus. Number two, that I may know the power of his resurrection. Number three, I may share in his sufferings. Number four, that I may become him, become like him in his death. And then number five, may attain the resurrection from the dead. And I just want to take the first one of that group. And obviously, I mean, we spent weeks on this book and we went through it quickly. And so I don't, I don't plan on breaking that, that passage down completely. But that first one, that I may know him. And that just reading through it again this past week, that really stuck out to me. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the simple thought. How are we to press on this year? How are we to move forward with urgency and with motivation? What is one way that we can do that? And my my first answer to that is that I may know him. And the question I ask myself and I ask you this morning is, do you have a desire to know him more this year? And you've heard that before. I'm certain of that. And I've heard that before. And it's really easy to say, even subconsciously, because we probably wouldn't say this consciously, but that, that we know him enough, or our knowledge of him is sufficient. But the reality is we can never know him enough. We will never know him completely. And while I was doing some word searching, this verse in Hosea stuck up to me. Hosea chapter six and verse three. And so we're moving to a different context. We understand that. But it's a really cool verse using this same word. Hosea chapter 6 verse 3 says, let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. And so he is encouraging the the readers, the listeners of his word to press on to know the Lord. And you can use the relationships, and I could use my, my marriage with Haley as an example that that I know her way better only almost two and a half, three years in than I did when I first married her. And yet there's so much more that I will learn about her in the coming years. And this this is what came to mind. And this is an example. Before Christmas break, I went through and I read, uh, I should say listened to, um, audiobook, all of the Chronicles of Narnia. And if you have never done that, I would just encourage you to do that. Um, Whether you're a C.S. Lewis fan or not, it is an incredible group of stories. There's six different books, incredible group of stories that goes through this tale of the land of Narnia and Aslan the Lion and the Narnians versus the the non-Narnians. And it's an amazing, amazing story. And what's so amazing is is C.S. Lewis has an incredible gift, had an incredible gift to bring out theological truths, truths of the character of God. In a narrative that seems so playful and childish and imaginative. And in that narrative, he brings out the most precious truths of who God is. And so if you do read this, or if you're going to read it again, or if you're going to listen to it, Audible has a, a pack that you can buy for, I think, $50. It takes you through all the books. And the people reading the books are amazing. But anytime Aslan enters the narrative, I encourage you just to listen perk up your ears and anytime I was driving in my car and Aslan entered the narrative I knew there was going to be some little golden nugget that C.S. Lewis was going to drop in and this is one that I want to share with you. Lucy is is one of the children that comes back to Narnia a number of times and she meets Aslan and she goes on many adventures and, and she meets him multiple times and there's one time when her and her her brother and her cousin are in the land of Narnia And they're trying to make it through this this very thick woods. And and they're trying to escape from the enemies that are shooting from them from above. And it's this whole thing, um, a, a very tense part of the narrative. And in that narrative, everyone else is sleeping. And Lucy sees Aslan and meets Aslan. And it's been a while since she's seen him. And Aslan, I should say, is supposed to represent God and the triune God and the Lord Jesus. And Lucy sees him, runs to him. And she's so happy to see him. And this is the, the narrative from the book. She says, Aslan, Aslan, dear Aslan, sobbed Lucy, at last. And it says the great beast rolled over on his side and, and they're they're um, getting to, to know one another and, and hugging each other. And then he says, welcome child, he said. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. Aslan says... That is because you are older, little one. She says, Not because you are bigger. And he says, I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. And it's an amazing image that C.S. Lewis brings in such a childish way that there's this little girl thinking the lion is growing and the lion's just giving her this riddle back. And C.S. Lewis is saying, Our human experience of appreciating who the Lord Jesus Christ is should grow bigger and bigger each year. That as we grow older and we grow bigger and we grow more mature and we grow in our knowledge, that our idea of who he is should just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. There's no limit. There's no limit. And it's such a a simple truth, but it it lays at the foundation of the Christian walk and and the, the Christian enjoyment of who Christ is, that we may press on to know him more. And so I I challenge myself, I challenge you, I encourage you. What are practical ways this year that you can press on to know him more? Because you'll never know him enough. And every time you know him more, you'll be more filled with joy and peace. And so that's a a simple thought and challenge from Philippians, but also from the land of Narnia. Truth be told, I was going to get my, my message was going to be titled Lessons from Narnia. But I figured, A, that wasn't, um, there would be many of you that may not be able to relate. Uh, but B, I didn't take detailed enough notes as I listened through them. And so that may be coming in the future. We'll see. But number two, the second press on. And so the first one is press on that we may know him. But secondly, the second press on is in verse number, well, we'll start 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do. And that, that's actually something I should note, is that Paul here is saying he's, saying, he's saying that I may know him, that I may know his power, that I may, may do all these things. And he's saying, listen, I'm not there yet. And he admits it. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he says, I have so much more to go. Not that I have obtained it, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Uh, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. And this is a popular verse. Forgetting what lies behind. And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so this whole sequence here in in verse number 13 and 14 is an excellent formula for living a determined, motivated Christian life. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. Um, It doesn't make it sound easy or comfortable, which often in, in the Western world, I think we fall into, but I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so I just want to focus on that one part. What is the second press on? Number one, I press on to know him more. But secondly, I press on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so very simply, Just the idea of pressing on to what God has called me to. And this can be in a a really broad sense, but I think it can also be in a narrow sense. And often as Christians, I think we need to ask ourselves continuously, what has God called me to do? And there are things that are obvious. God has called me to love my neighbor. God has called me to love my wife. God has called me to honor my parents. God has called me to lift up my brothers and sisters. God has called me to consider others more significant than myself. God has called me to love him more every single day. God has called me to lay my life down every single day, to die daily to myself and my fleshly desires and pursue him as my my one true love and my savior. Those things we know. But I think coming out of the context a little bit, and I think I have licensed license to do this within the context, is that sometimes God calls us to specific things. And he shows us through his word, and he, and he shows us through loved ones around us, and he shows us through life circumstances and open doors, and often we, we sit timid not to take those steps of faith. And so the second press on this morning, not just to know him, but to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus A commentary I was reading defines the upward call of God as this. This includes all the purposes that God had in mind in saving us. And I know Mike DeSova, Sr. was talking about this last week. Saved unto good works. All the purposes as God had in mind in saving us. It includes salvation, conformity to Christ, joint heirship with him, a home in heaven, and numberless other spiritual blessings. And so this year, press on to know him press on to what he has called you to. And that might probably starts with the question, what has he called me to? And I have, have tried just in preparation to this message and, and we'll try in the future to, to make an actual list, a physical list, not just the mental list that comes and goes, but what has God called me to do this year and to seek him and to press on in those things. And just a question before I move on to the next point here is what has more weight My personal material goals for my career, living arrangements, family, etc. Or my upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One is not worse than the other, but one should carry more weight. And so to have material and and career-like goals is obviously not a bad thing. We know that. We should work hard and we should pursue these things. But what has more weight? When I wake up in the morning and I decide how I'm going to live my life for the day, what has more weight My upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I think it's up to us to, to, to figure out what that is. And the, the material goals that I have for myself. And I think that's different. Everyone struggles in, in this in a different way. And for me, and I've been honest with, with Haley about this and it's kind of, we kind of joke about it, but for me, it's, it's very much material wealth. And and uh, career position and, and just cars. And, and it sounds so silly, but I said to Haley the other day, I said, Haley, I have a confession to make. I was looking at, uh, I was looking at Audis online today. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's something that we kind of laugh about, but it's an honest confession for my heart. Cause I see my heart longing after those things of looking to a day when I can afford such things. And, and it sounds so simple and, and silly, but there are deep rooted, Um, sinful attitudes towards that type of lifestyle so I think everyone's different but it's so important to see those in our lives and to measure the weight those have on our soul and think what am I pressing on to do this year am I pressing on to know him more am I pressing on to see what the upward calling that I have of God in Christ Jesus is and before we move on to rejoicing I don't have uh, that much longer more was uh, spent on pressing on than rejoicing but Whenever we press on, when you make a goal, whether that's physical or mental or, or spiritual, there always has to be a motivation. If there's no motivation, then the goal will never be reached, right? That, that's, how, that's how goals work. And so why press on? And the simple answer is because of Christ. This motivation was so clear in the life of Paul. He says in chapter one, for me to live is Christ. He doesn't make it any clearer than that. He says, all this pressing on that I'm doing. You know what the motivation is? Christ. The first press on, it says, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. His reaction, his motivation, his his uh, just forceful pressing on in his Christian life is motivated what? By what? The work of Christ. Christ died for me. He loved me. He made me his own. The second press on, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus, that's where my, his identity is, and that's where it is as well. And so, why press on? Because of Christ. But unto rejoicing. So, not only should we press on in 2021, but we should also not forget to rejoice, to praise him, to worship him. And there's there's two times that I like to highlight this. Um, verse number four in chapter four, it says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." Again, I say, rejoice. And then he goes on to say, "Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus." And so, what can I rejoice in? Number one, I can rejoice in letting your requests be made known to God. There's no greater privilege than to let our requests be made known to God, and and we often and I say we, and I, I think I just assume you're like me. And I think you are because we're all human. Um, we often forget the privilege that this is. And there's a verse in, in Isaiah chapter 62 that, that I heard years ago in reference to this, and I haven't forgotten it. And Isaiah is speaking to Jerusalem. And this is what he says in reference to, to crying out to their God. He says, On your walls, Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day. And all the night, they should never be silent in intercession for you. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and make it a praise in the earth. And it's just a beautiful image that Isaiah is giving to the people of of Jerusalem, God's people, the Jewish people. And he's saying, listen, our Lord has put watchmen on his wall. Every intercession. And he says, you don't rest. Don't let him rest. And so God is saying, don't let me rest. Give me everything. Give me all your cares. Give me all your anxieties. Give me everything you're struggling with. Put it all at my feet. And sometimes we come to him probably a little bit timid. And we try to take it on ourselves. And maybe we put it on our spouses. And we put it on people at work. And God's saying, put it on me. Put it on me. So we can rejoice in that. But not only that, but we can rejoice in the contentment that we have in the present moment. Um, and this is what it says, verse 10, I have rejoiced in the Lord greatly that you have revived your concern for me. Speaking to the Philippians, and then he goes on to say that he has learned to be content in whatever situation. And this is the, the slight paradox that I was talking about before, that Paul is motivated, pressing forward, and yet in the current moment, content with what he has in Christ, and it's truly an amazing paradox, and I was reminded of this, and I think we all need to be reminded of this in different ways, and this comes back to kind of my my sinful material desires that constantly come up in my own heart, and that I try to be aware of, and this was during the Christmas break, Um, uh, lots of snow had come down, and right across from the street from us, we, there's construction. There's all kinds of townhomes going up. And so our side of the street is all constructed. Across the street is all being constructed. So often it, it means there's lots of work going on every single day. And during the Christmas break, uh, it was a, a hard shutdown. Everyone was on holidays. And it wasn't Christmas Day, but I think it was either the day before or the day after. So Christmas Eve or Boxing Day, I can't remember exactly which one. But there was one pickup truck. And it was a real beater of a truck. And it, it just needed help. And I thought, and I was in the house getting ready to go out and shovel this and all. And I thought this poor guy, you know, like he, he's probably living outside his means. He has to work on the holidays. He, he can't even afford a nice truck. Here he is working away. I mean, just that, I, I I was really feeling sorry for him. I really was. And I wasn't going to go over and and help him or anything. It was just kind of the subconscious thinking and feeling going on that didn't come out until later. And so I walk out. I start shoveling the snow and I drive my car across the street and park it so I can shovel my driveway. And I get out of my car and I couldn't believe it. It, it was almost like the Lord was just speaking to me and saying, you know what, you really need a reality check because blasting, the, all the windows were in, the front door was open. And so that's probably how I could hear it. But music, so everyone could hear. Uh, and blasting as he was working away. I don't know if he was an old man or young man. I never actually saw him. Was this song, Here I Am to Worship. Here I am to bow down. And I just thought, this is amazing, and I don't know who he is, I don't know how he does. I't know I, mean, I don't know anything about him, and so it's not much a reflection of his reality, but it's a reflection of my attitude towards him. And God was saying, you know what? Here's this guy, and you think, you're feeling sorry for him, and yet there he is working away, saying, "Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down, just giving his all to his Savior. And so that, that was just a, a huge lesson and perspective for me during the holidays to think, you know what, we have every right to be content with exactly what we have and exactly where we are. And so rejoice in letting our requests be made known to God. Rejoice now in contentment. And then lastly, just one word that stuck out as I kept reading it over and over in verse four, it says, rejoice in the Lord always, always. And I asked myself in thinking this, when do I find myself rejoicing most? Is it after the Lord works? Is it after the Lord shows me something or, or does something? Is it only in positive circumstances or is it always? And this is um, a different context, obviously, but something that stuck out to me in my daily reading this past week is that in Genesis 12 and 7, Abraham, uh, Abraham at that point has promised much. And it's just instr- interesting, uh, a change in tense. And so Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, God says to him, to your offspring, I will give this land. He shows him the land. And he says, to your offspring, I will give. And so that's future tense. I will give this land. And then immediately after that, it says, so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And just the change in tense, God's saying, listen, I'm going to give this land to your people. And Abraham says, I believe you. I trust you. It hasn't happened yet, but I believe you. And therefore, I will rejoice in that now. I will praise you for that. And so a shift in my thinking in in thinking through these verses is that I rejoice in what the Lord has promised. I rejoice in what the Lord has done as well. But more than that, I rejoice in what the Lord will do. Has promised that he will do in me, for me, around me, in this world. Because he is not a liar. He does not lie. He cannot lie. And he will fulfill everything that he promises. And so this year, I hope that's, that's been a, an encouragement, but also a challenge, because we, we do need to be challenged um, to press on, to know him, to press on, to, to fulfill, to chase after the, the call that we have of God in Christ Jesus, but also to, to not forget to rejoice. Make our requests known. Rejoice in the fact that we can have the peace that surpasses all understanding. Be content now, and we rejoice